I think everyone in this church should be able to answer a simple question. As Christians, is it okay for us to want to fit into the world and not stick out? Is it okay for us as Christians to want to fit into the world and not stick out? Some of you know this is somewhat of a trick question because it all depends on what you mean by fit in. On the one hand, as Christians, we're meant to be leaven in the world. That is, in every place that we go, in every relationship that we have, we're meant to bring the goodness, the truth, the mercy, and the love of God into those places, in those relationships. And in that sense, we as Christians, if we are faithful people, that we're loyal friends, we're trustworthy, we're hard workers, we're honest, and if we are able to kind of, in that sense, be normal people that people can relate to and fit in in that way, then I think the answer is yes. Because after all, we can become credible witnesses to the gospel to the extent to which we are bringing that good news and that that goodness to our relationships and to those places that we live. On the other hand, if what you mean by fitting in is living like everyone else around you, by acting like everyone else around you, especially those who don't practice their faith or maybe those who don't know Jesus, the answer is absolutely not. In fact, we're meant to be different, very different from the surrounding world. And Jesus calls us the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And the light of the world and salt of the earth means that we have to be distinct and different for the sake of the world. And therefore, we'll never fit in into the world because that's not the point. Sometimes we've heard this phrase, as Christians, we're meant to be living in the world, but not of the world. In today's gospel, Jesus gives to us a teaching that if we were to live out would cause us to stick out, would cause us to stick out in the most, with the most contrast to those who live around us. And that is his teaching on love. This teaching from the Sermon on the Mount might be one of Jesus' most difficult teachings to follow. And this is what he says. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other one as well. Someone asks for your tunic, goes to law for your tunic, give him, his clo- give him your cloak. Someone presses you for service for one, one mile, give a second mile. What Jesus is saying here, he's saying that you're supposed to be different from how everyone else around you is living. Right? In the ancient world, the lex talionis, which is essentially an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, means that if you do evil to me, I get to do evil to you in the same way and to the same degree. This was very much common in the ancient world, and it's becoming increasingly common as we are rejecting our Christian heritage. And therefore, cycles of violence and unforgiveness and betrayal and division just keep going over and over again in history. Jesus is saying, don't be like that. I don't want you to repay evil for evil. His teaching even gets more intense. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly father. Wait a minute, love our enemies? The Jews would have been utterly shocked by what Jesus was saying. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This teaching of Jesus kind of highlights the height to which we are called as Christians to love not just those who love us, but to love our enemies, those who set themselves up against us, those who seek to harm us, those who have done evil against us. This is what Jesus is calling us to do. 
Sometimes when you talk to people who really aren't practicing their faith or maybe people who have fallen away, um, you might hear people say something like this. I don't really need to go to church. I'm a good person. I, I, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't stolen anything big. I'm a good person. Besides that being the definition of self-righteous, by the way, I make myself righteous, we, our simple response could be, that's great. I'm glad you haven't killed anybody. I'm glad you haven't committed adultery. But the moral law, the, the, the height to which we're called, has never been about simply avoiding acts of grave sin. It's much more profound than that. It's much deeper than that. It's much more personal than that. Jesus is calling us to give our lives away as a gift, to love those even who hate us. That's the heights to which we're called. One of the things that I think that can happen in our life is we can kind of forget how relevant this was for the early Christians and sometimes how relevant this is to us. Remember, Jesus was saying this to his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus also found himself saying, he didn't find himself saying, he said it. He said, you will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. The hatred and division is going to strike at the heart of the family. You will be hated by all because of my name. I don't know about you, but that's one of the most terrifying statements of the New Testament for Christians. You will be hated by all because of my name. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. And if we put these two passages together, this passage about loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us and, and persevering to the end and being hated by all, the implication is, is that if we do not persevere in praying for those who persecute us, in loving our enemies, we might compromise our faith in such a way that we have no enemies. We might seek to be loved by everybody and thereby not persevere to the end. See, the truth is the measure of our love is not how we love those who love us. The measure of our love really is how we love those who are our enemies, who set themselves up against us, who do evil to us. That's the true measure of our love. And Jesus actually gets a little bit more clear here in the passage. He says, for if you love those who love you, what recompense do you, will you have? Another translation is, what, what credit is it to you? Do not the tax collectors do the same? Jesus is saying, like, look at everyone else. Even those who are sinners, people that you despise, they love their own. They love each other just fine. And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? In the ancient world, greeting actually implied, I choose to bless you. I want you to be blessed. Jesus is saying, what's unusual about that? Everyone does that. People who are sinners do that. And he says, do, do not the pagans do the same? In other words, Jesus is saying to us, you're meant to be different. You're meant to stick out. You're meant to be unusual. People should be able to see that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another and by the love you have for your enemies. This is the height to which we're called. And I think sometimes we, we often don't, don't recognize how, how challenging that can be in our life. I think it's because maybe sometimes we find ourselves unable to do it. We just simply stop trying. But Jesus is giving us the grace to do this. One of the things that I love doing as a priest, to be honest, is, is funerals. I love funerals because it's really where the rubber of the gospel hits the road of people's lives. Like, this is our hope, the concrete hope, that because of Jesus we have the forgiveness of sins and we have hope to see our loved ones again. He's, a, he's alive. And so I, I listen to a lot of eulogies. I read a lot of obituaries. 
And the most common thing that you see in eulogies and obituaries is he loved his family. She loved her family. Now, I know that depending on the family member, that can be quite heroic, right? <laughs> to really love our families. I know that can be, it's a challenge, right? And if we can do that well, we've accomplished a lot, right? But I often wonder, like, is that the measure that we should be measuring ourselves against? I mean, Jesus is calling us to more than just love our, our, those who love us, but to love those who don't love us. I mean, what about the person who loved his family or who loved her family, but inside only loved those who loved them? In fact, what about the person who would disown family members that did not love them, cut themselves off from the family, refused to talk to them? What about those who loved only their friends and family who loved them, but refusing to forgive those who did evil to them, they gossiped about them, destroyed their reputation, chose to undermine them in everything that they did in order to take revenge on them? Or what about the person who's inside eaten away by resentment and bitterness and fantasizes on how they're going to get that person back for what they've done? Or what about the people, or what about those of us who, who might actually only love those who are like-minded, those who think like us, those who are part of the same social group or our group identity, but instead demonizes those who, does, who, who, who disagree with us, those who maybe perhaps are of a different political party or a different race. See, the thing is, is that Jesus wants us to be different because that's how the world is. This is how the world is. The world does all of that stuff. It's natural to the world, but we're not meant to be natural. We're supernatural in him. And when we live like this, loving our enemies and neighbors, it cannot help but have an incredible impact on those around us. And so as Christians, we need to remember that the most humbling and wonderful thing in life is that when we made ourselves enemies of God and chose to rebel against his love, Rather than choosing to destroy us, he took that destruction upon himself in his son Jesus and loved us and prayed for us that we might live. And at the height of his suffering, he looks upon us and the whole world, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. See, Jesus was a perfect example of being a, a son of the Father. Listen to the passage again. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's what he did for us. But then it says this, that you may be children of your heavenly father. We're made more. We're made for more than just being a, a person in this world. We're made to be a son or a daughter of the father. And Jesus, as the perfect son, loved us perfectly. And the whole point of holiness is so that we can be like God and to be one with him, our loving father. In a few moments, those who are prepared are invited to come forward to receive Holy Communion. And when you come forward to receive Holy Communion, remember that you're receiving the perfect Son of God who loved us even when we made ourselves enemies to him, who's forgiven us, and he invites us to live like him so that the world may know and believe that he is alive. And so perhaps we can, as we take communion, pray from our heart, maybe a prayer something like this. Father, I do not want to fit into the world. I want to stick out in how much I love others, especially my enemies. And so I give you permission to reveal to me 
who it is in my life that you're asking me to love and pray for so that I can love like you and live as your beloved child.